today we are starting our new series and we are calling it Meals with Jesus. And just so you know, there's no food today. I'm really sorry. If I had any, any foresight at all, I would have made something available to you. Uh, maybe next week, okay? But each sermon, as, as we walk through the series together, each sermon will be centered around what happened and what was said around meals with Jesus. You all are picking it up really, really quick, I, and I appreciate that. But because when we read the Gospels, you can't help but notice that long, unrushed meals with Jesus were very, very common. And so through these stories, we are given a brilliant example of extending grace and hospitality to others, and of course, the reminder that only through Christ will we be satisfied and restored. And I think another thing this, this may accomplish, I, I was reminded of it at least yesterday, uh, my wife and I are traveling to a wedding some hours away, and when you're in a rush, uh, you know, you, you just kind of like lose track of time, different things are, are, are happening, and we hit the drive through at Wendy's and, and get our food. And I, I'm trying to drive with, you know, my knees at one point and eat at the same time, you know. And I'm also thinking to today and the sermon series Meals with Jesus and how, how much time he took to be with people in the slow, unrushed pace of it all. And here I am, you know, killing a chicken sandwich and stuffing my mouth full of fries as I'm trying to accomplish other things. So my hope for me, maybe for you, my hope for me, is that I could appreciate some, some maybe some unrushed uh, occurrences in my life of, of really breaking bread with, with one another and being together. That's my hope. Now today, our first example uh, we will study uh, is, is from Luke chapter 5, where Jesus calls Matthew. We encounter him as Levi to be a disciple of his. And not to spoil it for you this early, but through this conversation uh, we see how Jesus shows love for all people, okay? We'll get to that in just a, a bit, because this isn't about just loving the popular people, the likable people, but the forgotten and the despised people. And Jesus' actions help us recognize that everybody is lost, everybody is equally loved, and everybody is equally welcomed at his table. And so here's the big idea for you. If you're the one uh, that is taking notes and growing with the Lord, here is what you want to write down. Uh, here's the big idea. There is a place for you, okay? At this table, there's a place for you. Now the question is, are you willing to pull up a chair? Okay, the invitation's laid out. You are welcome to be here. You are welcome here. Now the question is, are you willing to let go of other things in your life or other things holding you back to actually pull up a chair with Jesus? Here is our text today. You will see it on the screen as well. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The story essentially takes place in three scenes. Here is scene number one. It's the invitation. The invitation is scene number one, right? Scripture says, after this, Jesus went out. He saw the tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the booth. Follow me, right? And this seems fairly straightforward, doesn't it? That Jesus sees Levi, he approaches his table and says, follow me. But when it comes to interactions like these, I'm, I'm always curious as to what the passage actually didn't record. I wonder if there would be more of a conversation. Maybe not. Maybe Jesus was just so popular. Maybe Jesus was so well known at this point that two words was all it really took. Now for me, in my flesh, and how I like to reason my way out of things, I don't know. I don't know if I would just get up after two words. Again, maybe Jesus was so fascinating that he somehow pulled a man away from something he loved, money. I don't know. The Gospel of Mark actually records this interaction slightly different. Look at Mark chapter 2 here, verses 13 and 14. Again, same, same story, right? But a different perspective. Here it is. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. It seems pretty similar, right? Like, what's the big deal here? I think the added detail here is significant because it paints a slightly different picture than Luke's account, okay? Listen, in Luke's account, as you read that with me, maybe you got a visual of maybe, maybe Levi's on the streets. There, there are people all around but there's not a crowd following Jesus. And maybe in Luke's account, as, as I read that, maybe you thought Jesus walked up more privately, surrounded by people again, but maybe it's like a mall, you know? No one is really paying attention. But when we read Mark's account, something is very different, something is unique. Mark says there is a crowd around Jesus, and it says that as Jesus was teaching, he walked by and called Levi. I mean, imagine if I'm up here teaching, and then I realize I need something, you know? And I just call someone out immediately to just go do something, right? Kind of socially awkward, Jesus, like, what's going on? Jesus is teaching. He has a crowd with him, and he calls Levi with this crowd around him, hanging on his every word. Meaning, this was more than just a private encounter where Jesus leaned in and said, Hey, Levi, I know you're working right now. I know you, you got a lot happening right now. But if, if you would, if you want to, if you're not busy, you know, like, like how we would probably ask someone to come with us. If you got nothing else going on, if you want to, would you want to maybe follow me? That's not really what we're gathering here, though. Jesus had a literal audience, and he paused. He paused what he was doing to invite this man to follow him. Now, why does this matter? Why are we so hung up on this? Well, let me put tax collectors maybe into a fuller context for you, okay? Uh, Levi in particular, but his tax collecting friends, 
They worked for Rome. And if you think people hate government this, this day, you know, like, like people despised all of it, okay, back then. And this guy works for the government, works for the oppressive Roman Empire. Tax collectors were really seen as traitors, taxing their own people. And they were seen as thieves because they often took more than was required. So tax collectors weren't just people working for the government, collecting taxes. Maybe you owed taxes to the government this past Tuesday. You were really salty about it, okay? Maximize this by, I don't know, a hundred. It's very different. Because this goes beyond salty, but a deep disdain, a deep hatred, and a deep prejudice against tax collectors. And this man, Levi, is this type of person. His reputation is that of a traitor, a thief. He's he's hated by the people, and Jesus knows all of this. And he invites Levi to follow him anyway in front of everyone. Isn't, Isn't that the type of like social situation that makes you cringe a little bit? Like, like someone shows up to, to your party. Maybe you had a Thunder Over Louisville party yesterday. Someone shows up who was not invited and you're all kind of looking around like, who brought this person? Why are they here? Like everyone's thinking the same thing. Okay, th- this is probably what this crowd is thinking right now. Okay, Jesus is really missing what is, what is going on here. You know, maybe through closed teeth, but half grins. Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you know who this is? Don't you know what he does? How easy would it have been for Jesus just to wait until the crowds were gone? That would have been so much easier, Jesus. How easy would it have been for Jesus to have Levi in mind but for later, so that way he doesn't offend or shock or anger the crowd. But Jesus doesn't do that. And this wouldn't be the last time Jesus would do something that was unpopular. Jesus did and said things that were very unpopular, and Jesus will lose popularity with certain people, and sometimes his teachings will offend people that you hold in high regard and and people that you want to like you. That's just who Jesus is. But I want to ask you, are you willing to invite the tax collector anyway? Are you willing to violate the social norm and love that person that society says you shouldn't love that person? Because it's easy to love people who love you, right? That's not the call of Christ. That's not the example Jesus gives us. Are you willing to love the people you despise? Are you willing to lay down your preferences, your views, and your politics on this or that and embrace the total Christ? More on that in just a bit. Check out, what was Levi's response though? And this is, this, this is really, really fascinating. In verse 28, bring that back up. It says, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Left everything. This, 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 this phrase, left everything, it is a common phrase that you read when Jesus calls his disciples. Because church, no matter how you cut it, there is a leaving that takes place when you choose to follow Jesus. 
Maybe it's not your profession like it was for the majority of the disciples. But there's a leaving behind of other things that you do when you choose Jesus. That is the cost of discipleship a bit, okay? More than just habits or hobbies, more than just maybe a certain relationship here or there. But there's a, there's a, there's a significant leaving that takes place when you choose to get up and, and follow this guy, when you choose to embrace the way of Jesus. You leave behind a lot of things. Maybe your need to be right about everything. Maybe your need to be comfortable all the time. Now listen, don't be mistaken. Levi was still human. And Levi, and this is, this is my inference, okay? This is, this is me speaking about this now, okay? I, I believe that Levi, of course, was still human. I think we could all agree with that. But as I understand the text, as I think about the story, as I understand humanity, I think Levi had grown to love money over time. I don't think that's a, that's a big jump here. Do you think this love for money was gone immediately? I don't know. I think we like to believe that. But humbly, I would disagree. Not because Christ is not captivating or he isn't enough. He absolutely is. But we are only human and the disciples give us example after example after example of a lack of faith, a lack of understanding and their propensity for their own sin and selfishness. I mean, literally, Jesus is, is going to be crucified, but days before, they are arguing with each other, who among us is going to be the greatest? Like, they're totally missing it. And so that's why I think Levi, there, there's more to this. I think there's a struggle inside of Levi. I think Levi was called, and yes, he made that decision then and there to follow Christ. I believe that's, that's, that's totally valid. It's totally true. That is what happened. But I also no humanity, and I think Levi still had to grow in his faith. Levi still had, had to mature, and he needed time, and so do you. I say that because some of us, we want all the success immediately. We want to grow spiritually immediately. We want to share all that spiritual fruit immediately. We want to be done struggling with this or that right away. Is that how life works? Not usually. See, the call of Levi is the call to all of us. But don't view this as a primary example of what true conversion looks like either, right? To, to just say yes to Jesus and to never, ever, 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 ever struggle ever again. Because we do struggle. We will struggle. But Jesus knows that. And this is what makes the invitation to me even greater. Jesus knows the struggle is going to be real in our, in our hearts, in our lives, that we're going to struggle with sin, that we're going to struggle with one another. We're going to struggle with our faith. We're going to struggle with doubt. Jesus, he knows all of that, and yet you're invited anyway. With your history, with your mistakes, with your past, with your future mistakes, your future doubts, all of it. That's how good Jesus is, though, that he invites you anyway. Listen, Jesus doesn't call you to perfection. I think someone needs to hear that today. Jesus is not calling you to perfection, but simple, growing obedience. Something that we would say a lot in our previous church up in Michigan, uh, we would ask the question, what is your next step with God? 
We all have a next step with God. What is yours? Today, we get to celebrate someone's step that looks pretty big, right? It's a baptism, and it's, it's beautiful, and it's great. But maybe baptism's in your past, maybe it's in your future, but maybe this isn't your next step. You still have a next step with God. Simple, growing obedience. And so maybe, again, my inference of Levi, okay? I fully confess, this is me putting this on Levi. If I'm wrong, I'll get to heaven one day and I'll apologize to him, but okay, I will, okay? Maybe you are like Levi though, okay? And And there's a struggle for money. There's a love of money there. And yet the invitation is the same. Follow me, we'll work on that. Is it, is it hard to believe right now? Is, it, is doubt just ahead of you and, and all around you? The invitation is the same. Jesus is saying, follow me, let's do this together. Are the temptations of sexual sin, pornography getting the best of you right now? I certainly believe Jesus is saying, come on, let's walk this out together. You are not called to perfection, but obedience to the call of, follow me. That invitation that Jesus gives Levi then leads somewhere. The second scene is then the meal. Okay, we go from the invitation where I think there was a lot of tension. I think there was more struggle than maybe we we read about in the text. But then the invitation leads us to the meal. Okay, verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. In a large crowd of tax collectors. This scene's getting worse and worse, Jesus. Like, man, like it was, it was already bad. You invited one. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating. Seriously, Jesus, this is getting worse and worse, man. Come on. Don't you care about your reputation? Inviting one tax collector to follow you in front of the crowds was one thing. But now you are in the home of one of them, surrounded by many of them. Not just one, but a large crowd of tax collectors. There there is no doubt that other people were mad about this. You can almost hear them, right? The haters at this banquet, look at Jesus. Already selling himself out for money. Following the money, right? We say that about church a lot. Like, yeah, just follow the money, right? He's already sold himself out to money. He doesn't even know 1 Thessalonians 5.22, where it says, avoid the appearances of evil. Look at Jesus. Of course, some of you know those words weren't written for a couple of decades, but I think the haters were, were, right? If Jesus is so moral and upstanding, why is he here? What's he really doing? What's his angle? Now look, this wasn't a small meal either, okay? I joked that I had, you know, drive-through food yesterday. That was a pretty small meal. Don't think of that, okay? You know, maybe when you have someone over in your home, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's a smaller meal. If you have someone in your home, you know, you, you hang out. If you have kids, the kids play. You talk for about 90 seconds. The kids fight. And then you got to, you know, you got to go out and handle that. And you talk for another two minutes. And then you got to be outside with the kids because they keep fighting, Right, but then eventually, you know, the kids keep fighting, and then you gotta like you know go do that again. But then eventually, you get to talk for like four or five minutes, and then you realize the kids are exhausted. We gotta we gotta part ways. You clean up, and you're done. 
Can you tell what season we're in? You know, so. But that's not what's happening here. It's not a quick little thing. It's not, it's not just 10 people. This wasn't like that. Think more of like a graduation open house. Doors are open. People are packed in tight. There are so many people there. Jesus' disciples are there. And so are Levi's co-workers, his tax-collecting buddies. I think if this were set in modern times, these could be Levi's drinking buddies. But instead of going to the bar after a long day of work, Levi instead invites all of his buddies into his home. This Jesus that Levi met maybe hours earlier has changed Levi's life so much that he wasn't ashamed to introduce the two parts of his life to each other. Think about that for a second. You got your work people, your friends and things like that. And I think inside of some of us, I think some of us carry an unnecessary and very strange tension. I think some of us, we compartmentalize our life because here is church, here is faith. Over here is work, over here is friends and and family, here is the gym crowd, and, and here is the group chat with my seriously dark sense of humor. Over here... We've all got one, okay? I'm not condemning it. I'm just like, hey. But we think to ourselves, I would never mix them. These are different parts of my life. Or maybe I'm living different lives in different capacities. Do you feel this pull to maybe compartmentalize your life based on who you're with? Like at work? You're kind and you're hardworking, but you've turned maybe the Jesus barometer off. With certain friends, maybe you talk about what you did on the weekend, but conveniently just leave out a couple hours of what you did on Sunday morning. With other people, you will allow yourself to be maybe a little looser with your mouth and gossip and maybe coarse jokes, but around others, you keep it on lock. I do not bring that up to condemn anyone, by the way. I'm not saying that, that you should never or won't or, or anything like that. It's not what I'm saying. I bring this up to show you the risk that Levi is taking because Levi is so changed by this Jesus he's met that he's ready to bring the different aspects of his life all together here and now. Levi is so sold out with this Jesus guy that he's thinking, man, the guys at the office need to get a load of this. This is amazing Levi's conversion is evidence of a faith-filled life and no longer a divided one. I just think some of us maybe are living with this sort of like weird division within us where Jesus is all the way over here, but then, you know, my real life and, and all these things are happening over here. I'll give you a quick example. It is, it is imperfect, quick example. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I went to a concert with some friends and uh, we were we were maybe 90 minutes from Louisville. So we actually came up here to Louisville to the Cherokee Amphitheater. And, you know, maybe nothing great happens there, but that's where we were, okay? And we were there to see a band called Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Not the place you would find too many Christians. And I'll just leave it at that. But I'm there. 
And I began talking to some people behind us, just having a conversation, just real life. And for me, part of real life is just faith. Now, it's not about preaching at other people, but his love is just captivating. And, and to me, if you're going to talk to me, it's, it's just going to come up, okay? So long story short, the guy behind me, he's there with his girlfriend, and, and he starts talking about just different things in his life. Man, people in these, in these situations, they get really honest really quick with strangers. And honestly, it's the best. For my introvert friends, you think this is the worst, but I'm, you know, that's just that's how it is sometimes. But he began talking about how hard life was recently, how he used to go to such and such church, but he had a falling out, and now he's just full of doubt and pain over it. And so I just asked him, I said, hey, I'm not trying to be weird or anything. Always a great starter, okay? If you're about to, if you're about to do anything, if you're about to tell someone about Jesus, you have to pray for him, go ahead and say, hey, not to be weird or anything. Let him know. Let him know. Buckle up. But I said, could I, could I pray that you find that love again? That's it. Could I pray that you find that love again? And the dude said yes. So I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go. So, so I hopped back a row. And we prayed all of maybe 25 seconds. It was so short. It was, it was, just, it was just really quick. I hopped back to my seat, enjoyed the rest of the concert. I uh, found out later, you know, one of my friends who, who saw me made fun of me. Uh, for something, but I didn't care because uh, faith is just part of my life. It, it is just is what it is. Now, listen, church, that is not my way of saying you should be like that. You should always be looking for, for opportunities to pray with all these people, or you're a bad Christian, um, or that I am so, somehow so holy that I'm always aware of that anytime I'm anywhere. That is not how I respond all the time. You can ask my wife, okay? I am very human. Uh, at a different concert, someone spilled beer all over me accidentally. And, you know, faith-filled prayers did not come out of my mouth, okay? Because I'm human. But here's what I am saying, okay? Here, here's, here's why I just told you that ridiculous thing. Don't compartmentalize your faith. No, listen, you may not be praying for the Holy Spirit to give you words of knowledge the next time you're at a music festival or the next time you're at the zoo with your kids. But let your faith lead you in all areas of your life. Levi is the example of this immediately. The dude encountered Christ. And again, chronologically, I would imagine just hours later, invites everyone from work to meet Jesus. Jesus, meet y'all. Y'all meet Jesus. So this takes place in Luke chapter five. And just so you know what's ahead of us, uh, in Luke seven, Jesus is at the home of a man named uh, Simon, who's part of a religious order known as the Pharisees. In Luke 9, Jesus hosts a meal as he feeds 5,000 plus. In Luke 10, Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha, and it's much smaller. Luke 11 and 14, Jesus is at the home of two Pharisees. In Luke 22, we have the Last Supper, and then after the resurrection, of Jesus. In Luke 24, we have two disciples walking to Emmaus, and Jesus shows up and he breaks bread with them. So, what is Luke trying to tell us? What is, what is the author Luke, or uh, in a lot of circles, he's referred to as Dr. Luke, as he was a physician. So, what is Dr. Luke trying to tell us about the ministry of Jesus? 
This is a theme. And it's a strategy by Jesus to build relationships with people over food that leads to intentional spiritual awakening. Uh, Pastor and author Tim Chester of North Yorkshire, England, he says this, uh, Jesus' mission strategy was a long meal stretching into the evening. He did evangelism and discipleship around a table with some grilled fish, a a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine. So there's no doubt this was part of Jesus' strategy, if you will. Jesus believed that there was something about a shared meal that opens us up, allows us to make room in our lives for others, and draws us closer to one another. I mean, in the fall and the spring here at our church, we have, uh, we have small groups that go about 10, 11 weeks, and we ask all of our small groups to meet over food in large part because this was how Jesus often discipled and shared and built relationships with others. So what is holding us back from doing the same? The excuses kind of do come to mind. And this is me being transparent with you. I wrestle with these excuses too, okay? You know? Oh, gosh, you know, we're just, we're just so busy. I think I just nailed 90% of you. You know, we're just... We're just so busy right now. Or, or, you know, we don't even own a home. How could we have anyone over? We live in a tiny apartment. How could we have anyone over? I have dietary restrictions. How could I, right? Or I can't even cook. I burn my toast every morning, but I roll with it because that's just me. Listen, this is, this is a lot less about space and more about intention. Picnics work great. Meeting at a park somewhere is awesome if you got kids. Picking up pizzas and burgers if you can't cook, it works. Or if you're broke, coffee is still somewhat cheap, praise God. So you can give that a try, okay? If we want authentic community, here's what I'm saying. If we want authentic community, if we want to belong, you simply need to be intentional. That's it. You just need to be intentional. And I know plenty of folks who will show up, you know, sometimes, but then they will complain. It's just really hard to connect. It's hard to connect when that's the effort. I totally agree. And I'm not trying to oversimplify it, okay? I'm not trying to, again, condemn anyone. But also, let's be honest, let's not overcomplicate it either. Because real community happens when we choose to show up and we choose to be intentional. And you know what? I don't know, in my mind, sometimes I think it'll always be an opportune moment when my kids are in a great mood, when we got a little extra cash, and all of a sudden someone's gonna be like, hey, you wanna get lunch? And I'm like, I got nothing to do, let's do it. It's like I'm waiting for that one out of a hundred moment. But man, it's always inconvenient. Truth be told, it's always inconvenient, right? Let's do dinner this week. Yeah, I'll text you. I don't text you, you know? Because life sometimes gets the best of us. We're, we're just, we, we, we lose the intentionality. Or, or Sunday morning, we, we kind of feel encouraged. Hey, I want to get to know this person. I want to get to know that family. And maybe Sunday, we, we say the, all the right things. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. But then it kind of fizzles, right? Again, not condemning anybody. I'm just saying that's how I operate. That's, I, I'm sure you all can relate to that too. 
And it's just difficult. But if we take a note from Jesus and we, and we create these more purposed encounters, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's hard to disconnect with people when we are intentional. Because we are surrounded every day with opportunities to grow our faith, to develop real community, and to be challenged to mature. We have to be looking for it. So here is the challenge. I think you can already figure this one out. But for those who don't, let's share a meal this week. Not me. You know, that's, that's not me saying, hey, invite the pastor over. I mean, also I'm not saying not do that, but jokes aside. Share a meal with someone this week. And don't put it off because what gets procrastinated gets complicated. But what if you did something else for lunch today or dinner today? Or between your kids' practices this week? I mean, I, I literally uh, invited someone last year to just come hang out in the bleachers with me, uh, just to hang out at my kids' practice because I just wanted to spend time with them. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort. I said, listen, I, there's ballpark food. I'll buy you something, you know? Like, so heads up, listen, you're going to hear this challenge a lot through the series. Go ahead and just get it done, okay? It's, it, it's going to be ahead of you every week. So, three scenes. We had the invitation that led over to the meal. And this third scene is very different. The third scene is the outrage. I know some of you are thinking back to Thanksgiving with my family. Yeah, that was the outrage, you know. Not the same. Verse 30. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, again, just being human, being honest with you, anytime I've read this story, I've thought these were self-righteous jerks. That's the Sunday morning word, jerks, you know? And I just thought this, was, this is just too much. Like, like, these guys are always the same. But I, I heard someone talking about this, and he said, hey, don't read these words like these people are self-righteous. Like they think they're better than all these people. Don't read it like that. Read these words like these are confused and hurting people instead. Think about it this way. Jesus is dining with tax collectors. These people are questioning. Why, why is he doing this? It's easy to think, oh, they're self-righteous, they're, they're jerks, and, and these things. But if you view them through the lens of they're hurting people, these people are hurt. Maybe they would say things like, Jesus, it's not fair that you're dining with them because those tax collectors hurt people. They steal from our families. They are evil. They are selfish men who only look out for their own and they increase their wealth at my expense. I can't feed my kids because they steal my money. So Jesus, why are you dining with tax collectors and sinners? You can almost hear the woundedness in their voice, right? Or maybe for our more modern purposes. Jesus, these affluent and privileged men perpetuate systemic injustice. It's the same excuse. 
It's the same thing. You hear that from modern critics all the time. But I say we Christians are commanded to love everyone. All but pastor. Yes, but not, not those people, right? Not the wealthy. Not millionaires and billionaires. Don't you know they stand to gain so much from our suffering? Not the wealthy, right, Jesus? Or not the poor, right, Jesus? Aren't they just unemployed? Can't they just go get a job? Can't they just not be lazy? Can't they, can't they, can't they? Oh, but Jesus, listen, I've, I've been reading a lot, and I just, I, I know I'm called to love a lot of people, but not Republicans, right? Like, there are harmful policies. Don't you know, Jesus? Don't you know what they believe? Don't you know what they think, Jesus? I'm not supposed to love them, right? Oh, Jesus, listen, I, I understand. I love everybody, but there are enemies out there. Don't you know about the liberals? And you know what Jesus is saying? Of course, those people. That is what the call to love is. Of course, those people. Of course, the people you look down on. Of course, the people who you think support harmful policies. Of course, the people that make you mad and have a completely different ideology and worldview than you do. Why? Jesus takes our excuses to remain unloving and he graciously but firmly throws them away. And he says this, verse 31, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me, let me ask, do, do you know what happens when you make a living hating your enemies? You sever a potential relationship that could lead a sinner to repentance and lasting life change. Are we really going to be offended about this and that and, and then this thing and that thing and, and this yard sign and your yard sign and, and my thing and your thing? Come on. If we're going to be offensive about anything, could we hang it on Jesus? Could, 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 could we put it on him and his word? Because you know what happens when you start loving your enemies, you are humbly, in my experience, you're humbly redirected to consider others more than yourselves. Your heart is overwhelmed by grace and you realize this person is not an enemy. I'm just misunderstanding them. This is not an enemy to be hated and fought with, but this is someone to share a meal with. Jesus Today, he's calling you to follow him. So I want to ask you, are, are you willing to leave everything behind? That's not accidental language. It's very purpose language. Are you willing to leave everything to follow Christ, the total Christ, who loves everyone without qualifiers? Or is Jesus persuading you to open up your life to others do you feel disconnected? Do you feel like, you know, oh, I don't belong here or there or whatever? Could Jesus maybe be persuading you to now open up your life a little bit and take a risk and invite others into your life? Because Jesus is calling you to love 
those unlovable, complicated people? Are you willing to step into those moments for the sake of others? For the sake of others to know Jesus. This isn't complicated. So however this finds you today, my hope is that you would say yes to Jesus. Is that as as he approaches you and says, hey, follow me. You are allowed to wrestle with that tension. You're allowed to wrestle with that decision. You are allowed to, again, I think Levi is getting up to follow Jesus and maybe glances back at a booth just like this. And he's looking at everything maybe his life had earned up to that point. But he's completely changed by this Jesus he's met. He's like, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Is Jesus calling you to, to open up your life a little bit? Come on, have, have someone over in your life. Just meet someone for coffee this week. Share something with someone this week. Make an authentic connection. I know we're tempted to believe the scroll gives us all the connections we want, all the dopamine we want, you know, and everything. That's, that's, that's not real community. Real community happens over a table. Or is, is Jesus simply calling you to say yes today to him, to something in your life. I do believe Jesus, is, he's, he's calling us to say yes to something today, right? The, the, the table is there, if you will, okay? The table is set for you to say yes to Jesus, okay? And maybe this is a larger sort of salvation thing of like, yeah, I don't follow Jesus and, and I want to follow this Jesus, you know? Like maybe that, 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 is, that is your next step, if you will. I would love to talk with you, pray with you, and walk you through that. But maybe that's not it either. Maybe it's just, man, I'm, I'm just really closed off. I'm reserved and I don't like this. I don't do that. Maybe the yes to Jesus is coming to the table and Jesus is sitting with someone you despise. How could he? How could he love that person? Everyone in my life tells me that's an enemy. And yet Jesus clears the excuses away. Says, if that's your view, I mean, I haven't come for you then. You're, if you're healthy, I've come for the sick. So if you're sick today, Jesus wants to dine with you. He wants to sit with you. He's not ashamed to be seen with you. He wants you. But maybe for others of us, we don't like who he's sitting with. Jesus can help you through that. Work on that with you. We can pray with you through that. Let's say yes to Jesus today. Would you, would you please stand? We're going to pray. We're going to go into a few songs of worship here, two or three songs of worship here. We're going to take time. Because I certainly believe that, that God is moving among us and he's here with us and he's, and he's shifting us in our perspective and maybe our preferences. And, and some things were said today that just make us uneasy. Listen. Jesus is calling us to come to him. We don't have to have it figured out first and then you come. That's, that's, that kind of defeats the whole thing. Jesus is willing to, to partner with you, to work through it with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace and, and your incredible love. Your love that, that is constantly inviting us in. 
You're inviting us to be with you. And so maybe it is that call to leave everything today. We turn away, we leave everything and to follow you. Maybe the call is to to sit down with you, if you will, and to recognize that your love is for all people at all times in all situations. But you're calling us to you, Lord. So however this finds us this morning, I pray for a courage. I pray pray that your spirit would just move in this place and do what only you could do. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.